The Denver Broncos depth has been tested early this season, but thankfully they have a lot of cornerbacks as they lose one cornerback, but one rookie sensation will get an opportunity to make some plays. Plus, it is Crossover Thursday with Tony Wiggins, host of Locked on Jaguars, Sarah Benninger, myself, we break it down on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are Locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day. Lockdown Broncos is free and available everywhere you get your podcast, not to mention here on YouTube in video format. You can watch us on your phone, your computer, your TV, your tablet, wherever you're at. Lockdown Broncos, we have you covered every single day with all the Denver Broncos news, content, and coverage that you need. From the South Stands to the End Zone, I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, joined alongside my co-host, Sarah Bettinger, both of us. We covered the Denver Broncos for the Lockdown NFL Network and Nine News. Sarah, my friend, great to see you as always. Looking forward to getting into our crossover episode here with Tony a little bit later to talk about the matchup here on Sunday where the Broncos take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. But more importantly, the Broncos' depth has been tested so far early on this season. Definitely has, Cody. You know, like we can't we can't just have nice things around here, can we? You know, but thankfully, you know, last year kind of trained us. You know, we're really used to kind of dealing with this sort of thing. So I think on the one side, it can be, you know, a blessing in disguise for the Denver Broncos. Get your depth a little bit tested early on with these guys coming back. Of course, no season ending injuries, which at this point, you know, that's it may seem like a grain of salt, but I think that's a really good thing. I mean, obviously, as we learned on Tuesday, the Broncos placed Ronald Darby on injured reserve. He's going to be out for at least three weeks with a hamstring injury, something he sustained on that last series against the Giants, really in garbage crunch time. So it's like when you look back at it, it's kind of frustrating that you lose a starter who, in my opinion, look, I went back and I watched Ronald Darby. A lot of his coverage was tightly contested. I can't get mad at some of the catches he gave up to Kenny Galladay because he was there. He had his hand on one too, almost dislodged it, but – the Broncos losing one of their key free agent acquisitions this offseason. We just signed a three-year deal with Denver at least for three weeks. But guess what, Sarah? Let's angle it from the standpoint. Now the Broncos and Broncos country, they're going to see so much more of Patrick Sertan. He only played several snaps in the Giants game due to Vic Fangio's rotation. He wants some more on the outside. Well, guess what? Now that opportunity is here. Now my question to you is, will we see him start in the base package for the Broncos when they first come out? Or is it going to be Bryce Callahan and Kyle Fuller on the outside? That, to me, I think is one question I have. That's a great question, Cody. And I, I think based on, you know, kind of what we'd seen in, in you know, just over the course of training camp and things like that, I'm, my guess is that Vic Fangio will probably go like the seniority route, right, with Callahan and, and Fuller on the outside. Of course, you know, it would be great you know, with what he said about Sertan being too good to really only play in a sub package. So they had to get him, you know, in, onto the field. It would be great to see them put faith in Sertan and just come out in that nickel formation. But at the same time, you know, it's, I think definitely Bryce Callahan last season, especially playing on the outside prime or a lot of the time, you know, we know him as a nickel corner and one of the nickel corners in the league when he's healthy, but he played a lot outside last year, right? So he got a chance to show, man, he could be really stinking good at that position as well. So it's all going to be about matchups, I think, for this game, Cody, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We know they got some studs at wide receiver, which are at this point all healthy. DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault. So we know that the Broncos are going to have to be a nickel a lot anyway. So I, I do think, though, you're on the right track there. I think I think we're definitely going to see Callahan and Fuller in the base. 
Well, and I would even maybe argue too, if I'm Vic Fangio, if I go base package, you know, maybe I don't start Bryce Callender just because of the fact that, right, you, you want to keep him healthy, right? And I think that's really been the goal for the Broncos. There's a fine line, in my opinion, between putting a guy out there, getting him a lot of reps, right? And obviously with Darby out, that's going to increase the volume for some other cornerbacks, particularly, hopefully it's going to be Patrick Sertan the second. But in my opinion, if it were me, Sarah, I would totally start Patrick Sertan on the outside opposite of Kyle Fuller. Uh, and then you'd go to nickel because, look, your first series, you're probably going to come out in base. After that, you're probably going to be in nickel the rest of the game because this is a Jacksonville Jaguars team that loves to throw it. And all those targets that you mentioned, they pose a little bit of a matchup threat for the Broncos. They're, not, they're no slouches at wide receiver. Denver's facing some good receiving cores here these back-to-back weeks. Obviously, the Giants had a pretty good core there. And you have to give, they have to work on not giving up the big play this week. So the question I'm going to ask you here in this situation, sir, when Patrick Sertan gets to start and when we play him, what do you think his expectations are for him this upcoming week? What would you like to see from him coming into this game against Jacksonville? Well, I think just like with what Jacksonville fans are going to be expecting from Trevor Lawrence after kind of a shaky week one game, I think they're going to be expecting big, big things in week two, a bounce back. And that's what I expect from Patrick Sertan the second. I expect a bounce back from what we saw in week one. You know, we saw him not, I can't say that he gave up a touchdown to Sterling Shepard. It, it wasn't quite like that, but at the yeah. same time, you know, you got to break down and tackle. But, you know, to me, I, I expect an aggressive a physical game from Sertan. I expect him to be, you know, on top of his game. I expect him to be reliable no matter what they put him in, whether, whether he does play inside in the slot, whether he's primarily outside, whatever they ask him to do, I expect him to really step up big time in this game against, like you said, a, a really good receiving group. They're going to have options, the Jaguars are, to, to get the ball out to guys, and it'll be fascinating to see after you know the Broncos study film where they do put Sertan most of the time, but I expect him you know, to play a huge role in this game, and I expect him to step up. And a lot of people talking in Broncos country about that missed tackle, right? And so I know we know Sertan is, is hearing about that, and we know that – he, he understands, oh, yeah, I only played 16 snaps or whatever it was in week one after playing pretty much every snap his entire career at Alabama. That kind of stuff, you don't necessarily take it personally, but as a player, you know, for Patrick Sertan, he's probably like, all right, what do I got to do to make sure I'm out on the field for the entire game, to make sure they can't pull me off this field? I think that's going to be his mentality, and I think we're going to see him play well from a very early point in this game. I think he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence coming off of the three-interception game. This is an offense that will air it out. Now, going back to the preseason, the Jaguars' offense didn't look that good. They didn't look good in week one. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit more. Tony Wiggins coming up here in just a moment for our Lockdown Broncos, Lockdown Jaguars crossover episode. But ladies and gentlemen, before we do that, let me tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of the show. That's our good friends over there, rockauto.com. If you need anything for your vehicle, rockauto.com. They have everything. They've been a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. That is 20 years of reliable service. And not to mention, as price changes happen all across with local chain auto parts stores, the one promise that Rock Auto makes to the customer is that their prices are always low, whether you're professional or a do-it-yourselfer. That's why I rock with rockauto.com. And Sarah, I've ordered several things over the last year from rockauto.com. My brand-new steering wheel cover, a sunshield to keep the UV rays out of my leather seats, and creating a sauna-like atmosphere. When I get into my car and I leave in this hot Colorado heat, it's actually cooler inside my vehicle. It's one thing I appreciate with rockauto.com, not to mention they deliver everything that I order directly to my doorstep. It's very easy, and it's very convenient for me, Sarah, in my day-to-day, what I have to do. And so that's why I rock with rockauto.com. 
Amazon.com, not to mention prices are always reliably low, not to mention their catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your car based on year, make, model. You get to choose the brand, specifications, and even the prices that you prefer. And I want you to check out rockauto.com today. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Lockdown Broncos in there. How did you hear about his box so that they know that we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, Tony, opening things up here. Sarah and I, we want to ask you a, a bunch of questions as it pertains to this Jacksonville Jaguars team. I'm going to let Sarah open up the gate right here. I'm going to hand it off to him. He's going to be Melvin Gordon. He's going to cut through here for a 70-yard touchdown. Sarah, take it away from my man, Tony. Well, Tony, thanks for thanks for taking time and answering the questions and, and for giving us your perspective. I hate to be the hot-button topic guy, but I am interested by this because of my own personal opinions of Urban Meyer. So, Urban Meyer, true or false, he is a flight risk as head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Absolutely not. Uh, made it clear yesterday during a press conference that uh, he's here for the long haul. Now, does that mean he doesn't have a little bit of buyer's remorse and regret? Or does it mean that he doesn't, that this thing hasn't gone the way he thought it would go and there's some adjustments that he has to make? Absolutely. But by no means do I believe, I think Urban Meyer is quote unquote, in over his head. That phrase drives me absolutely crazy. It's it's un, it's used improperly a lot of times, sort of the way kicking the tires is. You know, kicking the tires is when you have an old player who like like last year, y'all kicked the tires on Jarrell Casey, right? You don't kick the tires on a guy who's really, really good, who just needs to change the scenery. So Urban Meyer, he's not in over his head. Look, a guy that runs two big time college programs is qualified to be an NFL head coach. The thing he has to do is he has to understand that he's not going to reinvent the wheel. And there's nothing that he's going to be. It's almost as if, like, you take a dude that's uh, an illegal sort of guy who does things on the street, but he uses business principles. And you take him and you and you you take him to Wall Street and he'll go, well, it's the same thing. No, it's not. Because you can't just get a baseball bat and knock somebody over the head when they don't do what you want them to do. So it's it's a different thing. And you have to be able to use some of the same principles, but also realize you're not dealing with 18-year-old kids. You're now dealing – well, I, this is this is something in the past. You're now dealing with people with money. College guys have money now, but when he coached, they didn't. So the thing is, is you're dealing with guys with mortgages, wives that are used to being the king – they ain't going to come in there and listen to you talk, talk to them any kind of way, especially if their money's guaranteed. And that's not his issue. His issue right now is, I believe, is with the coaching staff and the scouts. He's, he comes from a place, and he's a coach. He's a, he's a whistle-in-the-mouth guy. He comes from a place in college where coaches do the recruiting and they do the evaluating. Not here. There's a lot of scouts that's never had a whistle in their mouth, and he has to listen to them, and he has to listen to the workflow and the pace of the NFL. And so far, it's been a little bit of an adjustment adjustment for him. Well, and I think that's been noticeable too, right? And I think going back to watching last week's game, obviously a 37-21 loss to the Houston Texans, I, I felt like we saw a little bit of that carryover from the preseason with the offense trying to get there, right? And I think it's a process, a new system. Trevor Lawrence, obviously a very talented quarterback, as you alluded to. You look at the talent around Trevor Lawrence, though. Great talent at wide receiver, obviously, with Chark, with Jones, and even with LaVisca Chenault, who all of our Colorado viewers, they love him, and they have him in a lot of their fantasy leagues. Uh, what is the the pulse here on this Jaguars offense? Was last week an anomaly, or do you feel like it's still going to take a little bit of growing pains for them to grow and maybe get to where they need to be? I don't know, and, and that's not a good question for a so-called expert to say, but the reason why I don't know is because I don't think they know. I think they're trying to figure it out. I don't think they're throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. I think they know 
they have an idea of what they want to be and who they want to be. I think the problem is, is the workflow during preseason, they, they just had too many differences on when do you install this? When do you install that, that schedule? And, uh, Urban didn't want to be vanilla. Daryl Bevel wanted to be wanted to be vanilla. Urban thought it was more important that you come out and display and show stuff. Bevel says you can't do it because these guys are too smart. And if you show them too much, they're going to already have, uh, you know, a line on you and what you want to do. So the element of surprise was supposed to happen this weekend. It didn't occur because guys couldn't line up. They had two consecutive penalties of, of offensive linemen not being in the proper spot. And then they had 12 people in the huddle right after that. It's like, what are you doing here? You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people believe they spent too much time on a quote-unquote quarterback competition in practice between Gardner Minshew and Trevor Lawrence, two guys that don't even have the same skill set. So you're now not working on the same stuff. And it's just, you know, it was just too much, and they looked ill-prepared, not ready to go. They were motivated, but it's not about motivation in the NFL. That's not the only thing that's going to get you over because your talent level isn't different, and it's not better. It's not Ohio State versus – Indiana or I'm sorry, Indiana, but it's not Florida versus Vanderbilt. These the, the difference between the best person at, a, at the position and the worst is this small in the NFL. It's not just about motivation. It's about execution. One last thing. What you saw was David Culley had Lovey Smith, former coach in the NFL, head coach with a guy who's been in championship situations. Romeo Cornell, former head coach who has hardware. And you saw them look way more prepared than Jacksonville. That's all I got to say. I think that's, a, that's actually a great point. <clears throat> you know, when you talk about a college head coach transitioning to the NFL and a guy like David Culley, a first-time head coach, having that kind of support, that's huge. I think kind of along the, the lines of what you were just talking about with kind of, you know, being in over your not, – not necessarily in over your hair, but maybe not necessarily having the, the right, correct plan with everything going in or maybe not necessarily knowing exactly what you're going to do. Talk to us about, okay, Travis Etienne. He suffers the season-ending injury. So week one, all of us are expecting the James Robinson show again from what we saw last year, but it ends up being Carlos Hyde that leads the team in carries. What's the deal with that? What's the deal with James Robinson? Give us the lowdown on the on the backfield carry share in Jacksonville. When ETN was picked, there are a lot of people here that goes, oh, there it is for James. He's gone. I was on the different side of it. I really believe he picked ETN because they needed more explosiveness, and they do. They need guys that are home run threats. And I sort of looked at it like Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. And, like, nobody will care if you score touchdowns and you're not slow. Nobody will care where it comes from. So I kind of thought what would happen is James Robinson would start the games. ETN would provide a change of pace and flash. And if they got ahead, James Robinson would finish. That's the, the that's what I sort of expected with them. Well, what happened is the kid got hurt. He had a Liz Frank injury. And the weird thing about it is Robinson was getting all the work in the preseason and they were barely playing ETN before he got hurt. So you would have expected the other day that, that Robinson would get more cash. Urban Meyer said yesterday at his press conference, the one where he denied he was ever going to leave to go to USC, that that shouldn't happen. That's not going to happen that James Robinson should not ever be in a position where he's only carrying the ball five times. Well, you know, Tony, the one question I have for you, too, looking at the defensive performance by the Jaguars last week, almost 450 yards allowed in total, obviously a combination of through the air by Tyrod Taylor and a rushing duo of Mark Ingram and Phillip Lindsay really attacked the Jaguars defensively. Obviously giving up 37 points is not ideal. What is the biggest thing you feel like the Jaguars have to fix defensively in order to have some sort of sustainable you know, kind of formula to maybe be successful this season on that side of the ball? Well, I, I thought in the preseason they looked good on, on the uh, in stopping the run. 
But what what they struggled with more than anything last week was bunch formations and in the short passing game. And I think once Houston started completing a lot of passes uh, in the flat and guys were just putting their foot in the ground and getting uh, seven yards and then it's second and two, what happened was the guys in the front seven, especially on the second level, they start second-guessing themselves and they started – uh, you know, you really have to be assignment sound and you have to make sure you stay in your gaps. But when these bunch formations, you got the receivers all in, inside and people are running rub routes and they're doing a little play action and they're doing these quick hitters. Sometimes your head can start spinning. And I think it's just an assignment issue. I don't think it's a talent issue, but I do think uh, it's definitely not going to get any easier than it was supposed to be last week against Houston, uh, because most of the teams on their schedule uh, look like they're better than Houston personnel wise. So. While they're adjusting, it doesn't quit. I, I made the, uh, the uh, analogy yesterday. It's like a guy fighting Floyd Mayweather, and then as soon as you think you got to figure it out, boom, he punches you in the face and says, don't think. Ain't no time to think. And this week is another game right now. You you don't have time to think, and you don't have time to fix it. So hopefully for them, they'll find a way to uh, to overcome it. Well, I'd be remiss not to tee this on one up for Sarah. Sarah and I have talked about this on Lockdown Broncos, but C.J. Henderson – uh, obviously, a player that Sarah's had his eye on. Sarah, I'm gonna let you ask your question about CJ. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was very fascinated by the fact that last year's ninth overall pick. I mean, we have this year's ninth overall pick, Pat Sertan the second, and everyone expects huge things out of him. So I was a bit surprised to see last year's ninth pick kind of buried on the initial depth chart for the Jaguars and kind of hearing those trade rumors float about. And of course, they didn't end up doing anything, which I think is the wise decision, at least for the time being. But What's the what's the the lowdown with the secondary? C.J. Henderson, maybe specifically, is he is he in the plans long term? Is he kind of in the doghouse? What's the, what's going on on, on that in that area of the team? No doghouse. He started last week. He is their most talented DB, and they realized it. And uh, Urban, I, I believe Urban and Charlie Strong reached out to Dan Mullen and had some people come up from Gainesville to talk to him. C.J. was just he was hampered by a little bit of a uh, you know he had some little soft tissue stuff going on. And then when they brought him back, they put him on a bicycle in practice. It was like 197 degrees outside. And somebody told me, he is not the guy you do that to. And it's not because mm -hmm. he's a malcontent. It's not because he has bad personality. He's not. He doesn't have bad character. He's introverted. And uh, he just didn't respond to it very well. And it, some people thought he left. And then they went and talked to him and drove to his house. And, and uh, once he came back, he was buried on the depth chart. He got into the game and you saw and I, I got no argument on Twitter, which I do all, every day with somebody. I said, <laughs> I said, uh, he's the most talented DB and it's not close. And guys was like, well, Shaq Griffin would like a word. And CJ went out in the game and, and made a play that Shaq Griffin couldn't make uh, in his dreams. So it doesn't mean he's he's not as reliable as Shaq Griffin because he's young and and he doesn't depend on technique. You know what he depends on? The dude, when he worked out with Ocho Cinco before the draft, Ocho Cinco ran full speed. CJ ran sideways and kept up with him. That is just, you can't replace it. He just has that talent. So they found a way to tap into that. And uh, he's actually played, played pretty well since he got back. So he's going to start. They ain't getting rid of him. 
Uh, we love to see that because CJ's got a lot of talent. I'm a DB guy, Tony, and uh, I love watching DBs play. CJ's one of them, my favorite young guys to watch, and can't wait to see a little bit more tape, especially this Sunday against the Denver Broncos. But Broncos fans, Jaguars fans, coming up here in just a moment, we're going to get into a conversation. Tony's going to ask Sarah and I a bunch of questions about the Denver Broncos before we head out of here. But before we do that, let me tell you about the other sponsor of today's episode. Show it's a good friends over there, BetOnline.ag. And as you know, as we head into week two, football is back. It's better than ever, and you can get all the action for all your pro and college football action at betonline.ag with a new updated site and interface even more odds props and contests you can go to betonline.ag and they continue to be the number one source for everything football related and not to mention from football basketball boxing right to your favorite vegas casino games you don't want to take advantage and miss out on all the opportunities the amazing offers that they have here in the 2021 season BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. You can use promo code LOCKEDON to get that sign-up bonus today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Tony, my man, as we go through Crossover Thursday here all across the Lockdown NFL Network, as mentioned, we always love talking with you. I get to chat with you in the water coolers. It's always fun, and not to mention on the Sunday shows, my friend. But uh, we got a lot of great insight from you as it pertains to the Jaguars in the previous segment now. The floor is all yours as it pertains to the Denver Broncos. So here's this little thing, this little caveat I want to bring out, right? We talked about Bridgewater. We talked about maybe now there's a little more hope than you think. When teams have to travel to Colorado, even in the NBA, I remember back in the day with the Denver Nuggets when they couldn't win no games, but they scored 150 points a game. Folks, NBA guys would be like, I ain't got time to be dealing with that. And nobody wants to go up there in the altitude. So that's always the issue. There's an issue here in North Florida in September. <laughs> it's called the sun. And he has his own brain and he has his own. They, they, they It's like the heat here and the sun here knows when you're not from here. It's like, there he is right there. What are you got? How are you players going to deal with? It's a one o'clock game. How are you going to deal with the heat of Jacksonville, Florida coming from Colorado? That's a, that's a great question. You know, I think it, it does help that Teddy Bridgewater, Florida native, obviously he kind of grew up in that, right? So he, he maybe understands that better than anyone on the team. Um, so it's, it's definitely going to be a help to have him, but you're absolutely right. The Broncos historically have struggled badly traveling east in that noon I guess it's noon for me but one 1 p.m time slot over the course of the last I don't know how many decades Cody I mean we we just struggle moving into that time zone no matter no matter what who they're playing against if it's a Florida team in the heat you know we've seen them go up against Tampa Bay Miami all those teams or if they're playing in New York if they're playing Carolina everybody always worries about the Denver Broncos playing in that 1 p.m eastern time time slot and for whatever reason they just they do historically struggle with that and if that is the players that are kind of just acclimating to the elevation in Denver and the thin air going to the like you said I mean Mr. Sun he's he's got his own plans for for affecting the game so I think it does help though to have Teddy Bridgewater a guy who grew up in that kind of heat kind of weather to to have him leading your offense well Tony the Broncos are doing something different this week too normally they travel on away games they travel on Saturday they're traveling Friday evening. They're getting in, so maybe they might spend a little bit of time in the heat on Saturday, do a walkthrough just so they could get acclimated. I imagine that might play a little bit of a factor. It, it might, and that's why I think the Jaguars should really uh, focus more on the run this week and try to get those guys. Those are body punches. So with that being said, we know about Von Miller. We know about Bradley Chubb, even though I want to ask you about Von. Is he is he still Von Miller? But what do you guys have? What do you have in the trenches that can uh, prevent the Jaguars from sort of lining up and running down your throat? Because believe it or not, the, the offensive line here, there's a lot of talk about whether they missed out on being able to upgrade it. 
but that's in pass protection. The one thing they can do, and you can tell because James Robinson ran all over the place last year, is run block. So with that being said, they're big and they're physical. What do you guys have up front that could deter Jacksonville from wanting to do that all day long in this heat? Well, you know, you mentioned guys like Von Miller, Bradley Chubb on the outside, right? Those guys do a really good job of condensing the edge, not getting caught inside to allow stuff to get to the outside. But, you know, on the interior too, Draymond Jones has been a player that has emerged. And obviously Urban Meyer is going to look back and say, hey, I know that guy. You know, I, I coached that guy. And, and he's been a force on that defensive interior. He's finally starting this year. And so far what we've seen from him and Von Miller on the same side together it's been great. Now, I think the question is, after one game, we're looking at Mike Purcell, Shelby Harris on the other side. Shelby Harris, one of the best interior defensive linemen that the Broncos have, and also one of the best guys in the NFL. We didn't see too much from him last week, uh, so I, I don't know if that's a product of not having Bradley Chubb, who didn't play last week with an ankle injury, but you have a stout defensive line. If Mike Purcell, who's dealt with, you know, Liz, coming off of Liz Frank is 100%. He really clogs the interior. He plays that true nose tackle technique there in a zero or a one, and he commands double teams. And then you have Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell behind him that really plug and fill out an aggressive manner for the Broncos. So those are the, the real risks I'd see for uh, the Jaguars in terms of who they have to watch out for, not to mention Kareem Jackson. While they play in a too-high safety look, He's often shooting like a sea, you know, heat-seeking missile coming up inside the A-gap. And even on the outside at times, he's one of those guys you really have to account for. So with the running game that you guys have, I'm going to switch to your offense. Have they – Is it, I saw Melvin Gordon's stats, so I don't know how he got him. Did he get it all in one big chunk? Or uh, who, who's going to get most of the carries, him or the rookie? Well, this past week it was pretty split, you know, especially I guess in terms of snaps it was almost evenly split. Uh, Melvin did get a big chunk of his yardage on one play, a 70-yard touchdown that really just iced the game. So when you look back at the course of this game, it was a lot of just opportunistic runs, I would say, from both guys. Um, things didn't really open up quite the way we thought they would, and I think the New York Giants did a really good job of kind of keying in and making sure, hey, if the Denver Broncos are going to beat us, we want Teddy Bridgewater to do it. We don't want Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams to do it. And, of course, Teddy Bridgewater did do that. But at the same time, the running game was more – it wasn't necessarily consistent in terms of, hey, there's here's a 10-yard chunk play. Here's an 8-yard chunk play. It was really a lot of Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon taking what could have been zero or one-yard gains and making those into three, four, five-yard gains and really chipping away and opening things up for the passing game in that way. So I think there were definitely higher expectations uh, for both those guys coming into week one, considering they're both healthy – considering you, know, you paid a bunch of money for Melvin, you draft Javante in the high second round, high expectations. I wouldn't say they were unmet in week one, but I definitely think, I mean, Broncos fans are expecting uh, a bit more, even with Melvin's big run, I think over the course of the game, more consistency, more bigger chunks of seven, eight, nine yards, you know, plus. No doubt about it. So you guys, look, I, I guess I got to tell you what I think is going to happen, right? I think the Jaguars are going to actually play well. I think the heat will be a factor, but, because of what I saw last week, I, I don't think they're going to be able to pull it out. Uh, I don't think with this staff, and it's more coaching right now than it is, and it's not ability to coach. It's just where they are trying to blend. They're trying to blend some of Irvin's principles in with Bevel's principles. And I mentioned on my podcast yesterday, I like fried chicken and I like lasagna. Sometimes you just can't put them on the same plate. So, and I think what they're running into is they're trying to really find an identity and figure this out. I don't think they're going to be a team that's had the, the staff in place with Fangio for a couple of years. He knows his players. He knows his personnel. But I do think they'll make a better showing of themselves than they did in Houston last week. What about you? 
I think that's very fair to say. I, I don't think we're going to see the same type of performance from Jacksonville. I, you know, like I said, there were things that I liked when watching that game. Look, Trevor Lawrence, even though that they were down, Trevor delivers that strike in the end zone on the left side, and he's fired up. You know, you're down in that game, but he's fired up. He wants to get these guys going. I, I think that we're going to see that. I think what Trevor has to offer for Jacksonville, I think, is actually going to pay off in dividends. It may not be immediately, but I think once we start seeing down the stretch of the season, People are going to start looking like, okay, hey, you know what? This team will rally behind this cat. And they may already be doing so right now behind closed doors. But I think this will be a fun and competitive game. I, I really want to see if the Broncos can become road warriors. And as you mentioned, Tony, that heat is going to be an obstacle. Because not to mention, look, if you have a stadium that has a swimming pool in the stands, I think that tells you all you need to know. Two of them. Okay. They got, they got two wow. of them in the stadium. <laughs> you I know what? Might have to take a trip up there, Tony, just to be able to experience that. But obviously the Khan family, they really invest in that program there. I think we're going to see things kind of accumulate a little bit. I think we'll see a better showing from Jacksonville. But I would like to see the Broncos clean up some of the things on the offensive side of the ball. A couple of chances where they turn the football over in terms of fumbles. I think ball security is going to be a big thing. I think it's going to be a fun physical matchup, Tony. And like I said, thank you so much for taking time to break it down with both Sarah and myself. I know Broncos fans learned a lot about the Jaguars from you, and I know we learned a lot about the Jaguars from you as well. And hopefully, uh, you know, Jaguars fans learned a lot about the Broncos from both Sarah and myself. But this is a crossover Thursday episode here all across the Lockdown Podcast Network. Tony Higgins, host of Lockdown Jaguars. I'm Cody York, host of Lockdown Broncos. Sarah Bedger, also a host of Lockdown Broncos as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we can't wait to talk about the game this Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern time kickoff.